Mark 4, verse 35 through 41. It reads, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in a moment of prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, It's quite fitting, isn't it, on one of the stormiest days of the year that we encounter Jesus in the storm and the disciples on the boat. I mean, earlier today, the wind was just howling. It looked like the palm trees were having a bit of a trouble standing tall. But here we are. It's a very well-known story of Jesus and his disciples in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. In fact, if you've spent any amount of time in church, today probably isn't the first time you've heard a sermon or had a Bible study or even read a devotional of Jesus calming the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Now, I'm from Texas, and so since moving to Florida, the amount of times I've been on boats has increased exponentially, but I'm still no sailor. In fact, I still had to look up stern to make sure it was the back of the boat, so I didn't say it incorrectly because I knew I would be corrected if I did. But here Jesus is. He's been teaching and and healing and performing miracles and this whole crowd has been getting up close to him and in his business to where they can barely fit in houses he's even escaped a kidnapping attempt by his own family if we remember that i mean this all just happened here right before jesus gets on the boat and so there was a level of exhaustion that jesus was entering into during this time that he had not experienced in a while and so jesus is exhausted he said let's go to the other side he knew the ministry had to move to the other side there were people to reach over there And so they get in their boats, and some other boats go with them, a little flotilla parade going across the Sea of Galilee at evening's time. And Jesus goes and finds the cushion at the stern and goes to sleep. We've all had that kind of exhaustion before, haven't we? We've been so exhausted that we entered, as soon as our heads hit the pillow, we are out like a light and sleeping hard as a rock. I'm going to throw all the cliches I can in there. So much so that even the storms, right? We can have a giant thunderstorm with the thunder clapping and the lightning flashing, and it's not waking us up. There are stories about people sleeping so hard that they didn't hear the tree fall through their house. Or people sleeping so hard that they didn't hear their two toddler boys wake up at 4 a.m., only to awake later and see the hurricane that they left inside. 
It's not just me, is it? We've all slept that hard. We've all had that. Well, well, here Jesus is. He's sleeping through this raging storm on the Sea of Galilee. And on display in this moment is the full humanity of Jesus. Exhausted from the labors of ministry. Sleeping through the storm. Now, Jesus, of course, is fully human, but without sin, because Jesus is the greater Adam. Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the one who's sinless and blameless and came to save us from ours. But he's exhausted, because he is human, and he sleeps through the storm. And the storm has waves crashing onto his boat beginning to fill it with water, and his disciples, those who have been close to him, watching him do all of these healings, listening to all of his teachings, watching all of the miracles, are crying out in desperate fear. Now, we remember that of his 12 disciples, at least seven of them are accomplished fishermen. They're used to being on a boat. In fact, they're used to sailing on the Sea of Galilee. In fact, they have probably had encounters in storms on the Sea of Galilee. But none this bad, for they know that when storms get this bad on the Sea of Galilee, it leads to loss of life. And they are certain this will be their end. You can hear it in their crying out. Do you not care that we are perishing? That this is the end? It was dire. Now, at this point in the sermon, tradition holds that when preachers come across this text, we are now to turn this into the, what are the storms in your life that you're going through? And know that you can always turn to Jesus. There's no reason to be afraid, but to trust wholly on him and his name. While that is all true, I'm going to leave that for another preacher and another time. Because I believe there's something deeper happening here. Something deep on a foundational level that informs not only our fear and our faith in Christ, but informs all of the beautiful blossom and fruit that comes from our faith and our walk with Jesus. Something deeper. Something in this story. Something in this moment with Jesus on the boat that is so telling Something with his disciples. So the scene is set. The storm is raging. Jesus is sleeping. And his closest disciples are panicking. They're freaking out. And in their panic, they wake Jesus and say, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, Remember, Jesus is in that sleep to where the storm didn't wake him up. And so they wake him up on the stern, laying on the cushion. And if you've ever been in one of those hard sleeps where you're sleeping through everything and you suddenly awake, I don't know about you, but it takes me a moment to figure out, A, who I am, B, where I am, and C, what is going on. But Jesus, Jesus just awakes and immediately he rebukes the wind and then says, peace be still, and the waves of the sea are calmed. Not an ounce of panic found in Jesus. Peace be still. 
And this is amazing on a couple of fronts because usually when there's a storm of this magnitude with these big of waves and swells happening for boats, the storm can pass and the wind can stop, but the seas continue to rage as they dissipate. But the account here in Mark and the account in Luke and John and, and Matthew have it all the same. Peace be still. And it was like a glass lake. No more wind no more storm, because Jesus commands it calm. And just like that, this raging storm is over. And then Jesus questions the disciples. He questions their fear. He questions their faith. He, he says, why are you afraid and why don't you have faith? Still, he uses that word still because Jesus has been with the disciples. They've seen, they've heard his teachings and preachings. They've seen the healings and the miracles and the signs. They've heard the demons come and proclaim him Lord. Yet in this instance, this is the very first time that it is real for them because it was their real circumstance that they really needed Jesus. And Jesus shows up just as Jesus always does. And it says that the disciples were filled with great fear. Now this fear that they were suddenly filled with isn't the same fear they had for the storm. This fear is the reverence of the Lord. For they were awestruck at what just happened. Because Jesus just did something amazing. Jesus did something that the scriptures speak to that only God does. And the disciples knew it. In Psalm 65, verses 7 and 8, Who stills the, raising, the roaring seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe of your signs? In Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. And then Psalm 107, beginning in verse 23, David writes, Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down in the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight, and they reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. These disciples, these men on the boat with Jesus, are familiar with the Psalms of David. They're familiar with the scriptures. And so in their great fear that they have been filled with, they question among themselves, who is this then that even the seas 
and the wind obey him? And that question just isn't answered because they already knew the answer. They knew the answer. That this great fear that filled them after Jesus calms the storm and calms the waves is the fear that they are in the presence of the Lord God Almighty himself. For the first time, they see it. They knew Jesus is Lord. And so on display in this boat, We have Jesus' full humanity on display, exhausted from the labors of ministry and sleeping through a storm. And when he wakes up, we see his full divinity on display. Fully God, and yet fully human. Two realities of the one person of Jesus. And in 451, in the year 451 at the Council of Chaldean, They settled it once and for all that Jesus was one person with two natures, fully God and fully human. And they call it the hypostatic union. But here on the communion table, we talk about it differently. We put two candles on the communion table representing the light of Christ and his presence with us. But the reason for two candles and not one is because one represents his full humanity and one represents his full divinity, that he is fully man and yet fully God at the same time because only the God-man who is perfect could come and save us. Now, to understand this better, we have to realize that Jesus isn't a man who was made God. But he is God who came to be man. This is God with us. This is Emmanuel. Right here in this boat with the disciples in the midst of this storm is, is the full realization of Christmas, of hearing that, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. On that boat, God with us. In the midst of the storm, God with us. In the midst of our trials, God with us. In the greatest joys of our lives, God with us. Through the months and years of a pandemic of not understanding what is next, the truth remains God with us. Because he came in Christ, and Christ lived and died and rose again, and then has been put in our hearts where he lives. Teacher, don't you care? They cry out. We cry out. And here he is, with us, with us individually. And then with us, holy, as as the body of Christ gathered together as the church. He's with us. One pastor talked to me about the architecture of sanctuaries. And he would say, you know, Nathan, when you look at the sanctuary, it's really designed like an upside-down boat. 
He goes, because the truth of the matter is this. Together we sail in this world on our way to heaven to be with the Father. And it's because of God's great love. Because he's mindful of you. Because of his loving kindness and his grace and his mercy. That Christ shares the boat with us. We don't go at this alone. Christ shares the boat with us. And because of that, your boat, the boat of the church, will never sink. Amen.